Hey everyone. Today we're talking with soil scientist Anna Paltzer. Let's talk dirty. It's all clay, very different from um, uh, New York. Uh, you know, New York, it's all glacier sediment, sandy soil. And Louisiana, it's clay, Mississippi sediment. So it's a uh, different uh, material to work with. It's flat, it has drainage issues, flooding. So it's quite interesting to, to see the soil. That's cool. I was actually, I was born in Mississippi. In the state of Mississippi itself? The state of Mississippi, Gulfport, Mississippi. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I'm going to visit that hopefully in March. My friend from New York will come and do some work uh, with USDA Department of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. so I hope to visit her there. That's amazing. That's a small world. So, but also like it's different because you are, you didn't you used to really focus on urban soils? Yeah, and I will still be doing it because my research is not confined by Louisiana or Lafayette where I am currently. I can mm. do research anywhere and I'm still interested in urban settings because it's just where the needs are. Rural soils, agricultural soils are quite well studied and urban soils are not. They've been only maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 years, like how the people really... Um, focusing on them. And I know some of the scientists who were the first uh, scientists, at least in the US, who started to develop some in urban research. But nowadays it becomes more and more popular because 70% of population lives in cities and there's more urban agriculture um, and green infrastructure, store water management, um, climate mitigation, all those things need um, soil as a foundation and soil is a uh, part of the solution. Amazing. So what is like, what to you is like the most cutting edge research topic in urban soils? What is like really new and fresh? Um, I think the new one would be microplastics uh, because there's like plastic in the environment and scientists are currently figuring out the way how to quantify it, how to find it and how to quantify it in soil and sediments and like in marine sediments. Um, in uh, plants even, because there are currently some research shows that microplastic and found in plants, in even tea. <laughs> so that's mind blowing for me and something I'm interested to explore more. Also it's like applications of new soil amendments like uh, biosolids, human waste basically, that's uh, emerging product to be used in, um, in agriculture soils because it may have some um yeah. things in it I, I have to tell you a story about that which is my pawpaw my grandfather mm -hmm. in Alabama he always used to have a uh, really dope garden backyard garden that the family ate from but he was also a civil engineer and, and self-taught a lot of ways and like he got him this idea that he wanted to start using that bio sludge uh and so he he was he went to the uh wastewater treatment Mm -hmm. facility and like the solid bit of you know processed waste I guess I mean he loaded it up he like lined the back of the truck and loaded it up and brought it back to the garden so that's uh -huh. I don't recommend that it's probably a lot of like public health violations involved with that but I was he was on that that wow. cutting edge yeah. yeah 
So it's still being developed. Right now, there are technologies how to decrease pathogens and you know prevent any potential disease that can be associated with that. The research is still ongoing, but there's good potential publications. Yeah, and then you know I read a little bit of history. They used to call night soil. Back in me, was do you know about this? The night yeah, soil? we were just talking a little bit about my previous call. It's funny. Tell, to, tell, tell the audience about night soil. What is that word? Well, I I don't know what you know. Like we were just that chatting, uh, chatting a little bit about it because people used to. I guess use their excrement during night and like throwing it to outside. Well, there would be people who collect. The night soil men would come around and collect what the people, you know, had put in their waste buckets. And then there was a whole supply chain to get that into the back into the agricultural fields. It's remarkable. Yeah, isn't that wild? And then I'm sure there was a lot of health stuff involved with that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, back then, it will depend which time period, because the recent ones, like what we put in our bodies, like drugs and you know, pharmaceuticals, hormones, antibiotics, that's coming back to the soil. Back then, mm. I think people used uh, of that stuff much less quantities, so maybe it was somewhat safer. <laughs> is there any, oh, that's really interesting. So is there, are there, is there any research that you know of about what is the effect of these pharmaceuticals and these synthetics coming back into the soil on the soil microorganisms? Yeah, they're quite research. I'm not um, an expert on the microbiology, but there are quite a bit of research on pharmaceuticals and effect of antibiotics uh, mm. and even caffeine. Um, on soil biota because it um, has effect on it. It's, it can, uh, it's, if it's found in the high quantities, it potentially can kill or create like monoculture or only particular microbes that will be resistant and others will die out. So it definitely changes the ecosystem. But again, it, it depends on uh, the amount and how long it stays in the environment. But, and it is actually one of the, I think, cutting edge uh, researches to understand how human antibiotics affect um, soil biota. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, okay, can you tell us about some of the research you're working on and what's, what's in the pipeline? Uh, yeah, we. I'm. I want to create here in Louisiana while I'm here. Also, like urban soil um, research lab at the University of Louisiana uh, at Lafayette. So I'm currently working and developing it, and um, I want to expand my research um, from contaminants like heavy metals to potentially organic contaminants. And uh, we have a lot of petrochemical industry in the area, so I want to see how. I can help with that and remediate some soils. There are brownfield uh, areas that also need some remediation. So in the future, I'm thinking to use that as my study area. Uh, a lot of people are being involved in like sustainable agriculture and there are some agriculture movements. They're way more in New Orleans than in Lafayette, but I would like to contribute as, as well to be able to help and um, share knowledge that they have with the locals and help them or motivate them to start their own gardens because there's great soil, great weather, climate, um, like the three, they can have three harvests per year. 
I think it's really amazing. And in Lafayette itself, um, from what I've heard, it's not very contaminated soil. Uh, so it's really have good potential to do urban agriculture. And I would like to uh, promote this more. Um, and I said, I'm not sure yet, because, like how Lafayette clean or not, uh, it's from some other people told me, but we haven't had chance to study the soil uh, in terms of contaminants. And it's one of my uh, ideas uh, and yeah, plans to investigate the soil, um, at least in some areas that have industrial impact and to make sure people can safely garden. Uh, and if not, we'll find a way how to make it uh, possible for people to garden. Yeah, and um, yeah, just increase uh, maybe the community gardens as well. Uh, there are a few, um, but there's so much land. So I think people can definitely do that and be in yeah. involved more in composting, um, recycling system. Waste mm -hmm. management system, just as we mentioned, would be good. And um, I am talking to some people, getting connection right now. I'm developing my network uh, to see who is also working on the same issues, and um, so we can collaborate and make big impact. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I have a question for you, and I love that you're so focused on building community around urban agriculture. So we do a lot of that type of work. One of the things we did recently, we planted some fruit trees, and fruit bushes, blackberry, raspberry, blueberry, pawpaw tree, and a lot in Harlem, you know, and before we did that, we made sure <clears throat> to take our soil samples and we tested for heavy metals, lead and cadmium and all that. And, uh, but then somebody asked me, well, what if there's something else? Like, what if somebody spilled I don't know, detergent or some weird chemical in this area that you just didn't test for. And I honestly, I was like, I didn't know what to say. So do you, have you gotten that question before? And, and what do you, how do you, how do you respond to that? It's hard to test for what we don't know. Like we don't know how can we test for it, right? There's a limitation of the, our trade. We can only test for what we know and the science progresses, we'll be able to test for more. It's also a limitation of the budget. Like if you had unlimited budget, you could test and send to numerous labs and test for everything that's possible. It's not always the, you know, profitable or uh, efficient. So uh, in many cases, when you find contamination, uh, it may be associated with other contaminants because maybe there was a spill and spill is not only hydrocarbons maybe there was metals associated with that with industry so it would be i don't know if it's yeah it's interesting if you find like no heavy metals maybe there is organic contaminant yeah but um it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a hard question to answer because ideally you would want to start to do heavy metal like inorganic contaminants and organic contaminants, but then there are so many of them, right? Like the tens, like for which ones are you going to test? And then it comes back to how much it will cost you. Um, so yeah, you will, you will uh, 
probably miss that part. Uh, but again, it comes back to how you use this land. And if there is a contamination, it doesn't mean you cannot garden or you cannot choose it. You just need to be precautious and know what you're planting and how you're dealing with the soil, right? Because that's the, that's the main thing. Um, and if you're doing sustainable practices, if you're adding compost, the bacteria will uh, be able to uh, break down some of the hydrocarbons, organic pollutants. The sunlight will break it down eventually. Um, by adding new material into the soil, you will dilute this. So you're decreasing the concentration of something unknown. And I think this is the most important part. And then People, how do you interact with soil? Are they washing their hands? Do they take off their shoes when they uh, you know, come back home? This is important, not to bring potentially contaminated soil back to the homes. And, um, and if there is, a, if you suspect there's something in the soil uh, and you cannot test for it, um, you can always use such thing as bringing new layer of soil on top soil or sediment um, and lots of compost or just a compost better something than nothing and eventually it will decrease what's in the soil but yeah i mean we've definitely done projects like in brooklyn where we you know had to excavate like a foot down and literally we bagged the soil and brought it to a dump wow and then we brought in fresh soil and compost because the homeowner just did not want to be growing. He was an environmental lawyer, so he knew oh, like what okay. you know PPM what to look for. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wanted done. And we took one test, then the level six inches down, the level is still too high. We dug down deeper. Uh, and that was in Brooklyn, very industrial site. Um, it is my understanding that in terms of urban ag, fruit, fruit is a relatively safe thing because of the way that the plant processes toxins and, and it won't be as bioavailable in that fruit product say as like a root vegetable or even say greens which might be more subject to picking up the hydrocarbons uh, you know floating around I don't know so do you have any thoughts on this yeah the fruits I think would be the safe again it, it depends where they're growing and what's the wind pattern and what is the current industrial situation there but hypothetically the taller the plant the safer it is even if it grows in contaminated soil because plants uh, especially fruit plants they have physiological barriers inside of them uh, so physiologically plant does not allow toxins to go to the fruit itself these barriers are very weak in root vegetables. So it's easier to uptake for carrots, uh, for example, contaminants, or it just stays on the surface of uh, root vegetables or even leafy greens from splashes from surrounding areas. While fruit vegetables, one, they have uh, barriers inside of them, and two, they're tall enough so they don't have splashes from surrounding areas. Emissions, it's another path um, and it comes back again how you interact with this uh, with fruits do we wash them properly it's a super important to wash um, we can completely reduce contamination if it's like we did the study when we washed our vegetables uh, with tomatoes um, radishes carrots eggplants uh, lettuce and we found that tomatoes were 
safe to grow even in very contaminated soil. The problem was with the root vegetables and leafy greens. The root vegetables like lead, for example, was uptaken by carrots. And peeling doesn't really help because carrots is uptaken through the core inside, while radish was contaminated mostly on the surface. So you wash radish, but you cannot completely wash it off. And some particles stays in, uh, on the surface of a radish. So you can completely com get rid of contamination, but you're reducing it by washing. And lettuce or like uh, some greens that are short, they get splashes from surrounding areas. And it's also very difficult to wash it off. No matter how hard you try to wash, you reduce contamination, but you can completely get rid of it. And it's important to have different diets, like very diverse diet, because you don't eat carrot three times a day, seven days a week, right? So you have different meals and uh, it's important to diversify it. And then the overall concentration that you eat, even if you eat one very contaminated carrot, is not going to kill you. If you eat every day that carrot, that eventually will have some uh, chronic uh, issue, but no one does that. So it's important to keep in mind that you need to wash your hands, like take off your shoes when you come in into the house so you don't have a dust inside of the house, that you wash uh, your hands, you wash your produce very carefully so you reduce any potential contamination. And um, diversify your diet. Then if there is any concentration, the uh, contamination, it will be diluted into the body because you eat other products. So contamination is bad, but there are solutions to it, you know, so we shouldn't be afraid to deal with this. Um, yeah. That's deep. That's deep. And I'm, I assume even in like the big industrial farms, like there's got to be contamination happening on, on those farms that it's not like you document every situation. Yeah, it is hard. Uh, it, yeah, it's hard to, to test for everything. I mean, they should, but it comes back to how much it will cost. Uh, some of research that I've seen on the, and on the market, well, like in New York City, there was a study, I think from Cornell, they compared the market um, vegetables. They were not dangerous. They were not really exceeding much, or maybe they were not exceeding at all. Um, contaminant level. So um, it depends where it's coming from, like, yeah, how people take care of the land. Ideally, they should test and know what's in the soil. It's not always possible. But again, you're not only consuming food from that farm, um, you diversify it to, you know, eat fish, you drink milk, meat, wherever, vegans, non-vegans, they have different type of uh, food, then it's, um, diversifies it. Um, ideally, they should test it and see where they grow food. And hopefully they do. Well, and then there's the, the flip side of urban ag, which is like the controlled environment agriculture and the greenhouse. And the, I'm sure they would have, they probably do have testing protocols. So maybe that is um, one argument for that style. And I, I don't think there's any one thing that is the, the, the fix all but I do think that given the urban population that like more sustainable urban agriculture systems is, is needed. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the urban agriculture is not going to feed the entire city, especially mm. city like New York, right? It's more like a supplement for people, um, especially in the food desert areas when they don't have access to 
close access to stores. And um, also like Urban Act is not just about the food, it's about uh, building communities, changing people's behavior, like becoming more sustainably aware. Uh, it even decreases criminal activities in areas where there are community gardens because people have something to be engaged with. Uh, and it's just green space, it's people to hang out. And especially during COVID, a lot of people took advantage of it and started gardening because it's, uh, it's a green area, it's nice to be outside and it's therapeutical. It's also a way of to decrease stress and do your exercise. So urban agriculture is really a combination of many different things. And um, like in New York, it would be hard to be sustained on just growing your own food because it's not enough land for a family to grow their own food. Some other areas, maybe like here in Lafayette, it would be more possible to do it. Like my parents grew up, I grew up eating our own vegetables year round. Um, and we have a cold winter, so we don't have vegetable, fresh vegetables, but we would make them pickled or fermented, ferment them and we would eat this during the year. Yeah, But we had a lot of land for a family of four to grow our own vegetables and have potatoes that will be enough for uh, the whole year. Uh, in urban environments, obviously it's not possible, but it is a good supplement. That's beautiful, amazing. Okay, so Anna, how do people get in touch with you if they wanna collab or just talk about soils? Yeah, so they are very welcome to connect with me on Instagram. It's a soil underscore expert, or just uh, look up my name. Um, you can, they can uh, send me a message through my website, annapeltsava.com, and they will be contact me and they can email me like that. Um, yeah, I'm very responsive on Instagram. So feel free to share to follow me and share their stories with me. I'm always happy to make connections with people all around the country and the world. Amazing. You're doing awesome work uh, spreading the, the gospel of the soil. So uh, excited to read your, your new research coming out. That's awesome. Thank you.